Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio, and we got a loaded show today. We got the NBA draft tonight. We got the we got NBA free agency. We obviously got college football. We got a couple big matchups in the Big Ten. We got uh, Major League Baseball. We got a couple executive. We got one executive stepping down. We got history made with another team. But we got to start in the NFL, and we got to start with the big matchup on Thursday night with the Cardinals and the Seahawks—a rematch of a game. Uh, a, a couple of weeks ago that went to overtime that ended up giving Seattle their first loss. And now they have three losses. So they've really been struggling. The Cardinals, obviously last week, won on that miracle play from, uh, from uh, they had that huge Hail Mary, uh, Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, the play of the year. So this game is really, really going to be a really good game between these two teams. I mean, they're two division rivals. Can't expect anything less than this being a one score game. Either way, I think these offenses are going to go back and forth uh, up and down the field. I think, you know, Russell Wilson's going to bounce back from his game last week, have a huge game against the Cardinals defense, him and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. He's, I think Wilson throws for a couple touchdown passes. And I think that Kyler Murray has another huge game too against the Seattle defense. I think Kanan Drake runs the ball a little bit, but I think Murray gets the ball to, you know, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, or Fitzgerald. I think it's a huge game for him too. I think this game is back and forth. It's it, a shootout, but at the end of the day, I got to go with the home team and I got the Seahawks getting revenge over the Cardinals. I got them winning 34 to 30 Thursday night. Yeah, it should be a fun one. I do have Seattle as well. Getting in the revenge game, 30 to 27. Um, Seattle should have won that first meeting. They just couldn't pull out a couple turnovers. Um, kind of put the Cardinals up or got the Cardinals in position there for the game winning field goal the first time around. Um, definitely, you know, Definitely Arizona coming off the emotional win from Seattle or against um, the Bills. You know, yeah, Seattle's really struggling right now. I think the thing, Russell, he just, it seems like he's just pressing right now. And he's, you know, you know, I know he, was how bad the defense has been, even though they weren't bad Sunday. You know, that was the least amount of points they've given up all year. But I think Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson plays better this week. And then they got to get off the field on third down as well. Um, team can convert and form over the 40% of the time. They can get off the field, kind of slow down Kyle Murray in that offense. They should be able to get the win. I don't, you know, um, I don't think they're supposed to have any fans against Seattle, but I don't see them losing this game. I think this is such a crucial game for the Seahawks. And I, I feel like they pull this one out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, should, it should be an outstanding game. Yeah, they won't have fans, and I don't think it would really matter because I think these two teams are so good that I don't think the fan. I mean, yeah, the home field would matter for Seattle, but I don't think it would make that big of a difference because I think the Cardinals are a really good team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, defensively, they lost Chandler Jones, so they're not they're not great there, but on the offensive side of the ball, the Cardinals are a really good team. Yeah, they definitely are with all the weapons they have, you know, and with Hopkins and Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella. Drake, yeah, you know, this is such a such a young, talented offensive roster. Um, that yeah, you know, we're we're gonna see for the next few years here. Cliff Kingsbury's done a great job of putting these guys in the right position, and players have been executing. This is such a fun offense to watch, and this would be such a fun game to watch offensively. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But before we get to some of the games on Sunday, we're going to talk about the Giants. And uh, yes, they're on a bye week this week, but they still had news. And there was some news from the, one of their former players, and that's DeAndre Baker, as he was uh, all the charges against him for armed robbery were dropped against him. And right now, he's about, almost he's about to sign with the Kansas City's practice squad. Obviously, this week there were some Giants that might have, that wanted him back. Seeing that uh, our corner depth, depth, we are thin at corner, even though. James Bradbury's had a great year. We are thin at corner. I mean, Darnay Holmes has played better recently. 
He's, he's done a good job. But Isaac Yadam has really, really struggled at the number two corner spot. So some Giant fans wanted him back. I think the Giants felt like, you know what, the ship has sailed. We've moved on. We decided to move on. We're not going to end up bringing him back. And now he's going to Kansas City. And I, I think he can help Kansas City. I, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to pick up the scheme uh, quick enough. Because remember last year where he had a lot of trouble picking. He's a very talented player. Giants traded up in the first round to get him last year. But he had trouble picking up picking up the defensive scheme last year. So I think he's going to have a little bit of a hard time doing that in Kansas City. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs sign him if he, if he definitely sees time on the field. Yeah, you know, it definitely wouldn't surprise me either. Um, yeah, the former first rounder. Um, and I think, yeah, for the Giants, you can't, you, you know, you, it's tough to re-sign a guy after you kind of, and, and for the good, and for the reason, you now they had to cut him, you know, you, you had to, because you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, if you, you don't cut him. Um, you get a lot of people, critics on you about that. So the Giants made the right move to cut him. Um, it's probably the smart thing not to pick him up. They definitely could have used him. Um, but yeah, I think he definitely help out KC. Their defense is better. Um, yeah, I'll definitely take him a few weeks to get on the fields here, you know, to get back in shape and all that. And, you know, this year quarantine and all that, but I definitely think he could make it, you know, he's a first round pick, you know, he played at Georgia. There's, there's some potential there. Um, you know, he had the off field troubles at Georgia as well. So, you know, he says, you know, continues to work on the field and all that. So he's just kind of out of, out of the trouble. I definitely think he could help Kansas City out, you know, depending how long the the contract he's signs, you know, definitely in the future, I think he could be a, a nice piece of this defense who has been better the last few years, but still needs some work. They want to, um, but they definitely, you know, definitely need some work. Absolutely. And, and, and he could help their corner depth, the cornerback depth. Uh, it, might, might, it might not even help them this year, but definitely next year, if, if it's depending on what contract he signs. But we'll get to more Giants news, and it's with their kicker, Graham Pagano. And unfortunately, he came down with COVID-19, and he, he's, he's been isolated, and, and two other Giants that close staffers in close contact have been isolated. Luckily for the Giants, they have a bye week this week, so they may be able to get him back uh, for the, after the bye against the Bengals. But still, we hope Graham Gano is doing well. He's had a really good year. He's really only missed one field goal. I think it was that long field goal against the Bears in week two. So he's had a really, really good year for this team. So we hope he's doing well, and and uh, we hope he gets better, and we hope he uh, gets back and continues to be, to kick the ball well for the Giants. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's, he's been a um, great addition to the team this year. Yeah, he just missed that one field goal. Um, but, yeah, definitely hopefully he gets better soon. Hopefully he's doing well right now. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, he's, you know, um, he's such a big piece of the, or, you know, he, yeah, he's been such a uh, good help this year for the Giants, uh, special teams, uh, Absolutely, we've seen around the special teams in some areas for teams have really struggled this year. Oh yeah. I mean, you saw the Titans on Thursday night, their special teams was a disaster. And we all knew that's, I, I knew going into the season, the special teams was definitely going to be a strength of the Giants. Uh, uh, knowing ha having Joe judge, because we know what Joe judge was with the Patriots. He was the special teams coach. So the giants might have, they might have the best special teams in the league. And Gano was a big reason for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, they, um, they've been really good in that area. Um, yeah. Joe judge specialty, big specialties and definitely in that area. So yeah, I, I can definitely see that giants have been one, you know, right up there. One of the best special teams in the league. Now we got one more piece of Giants news. I don't know if Joe got this because it happened right before the show. Uh, the Giants fired their offense. I don't know if you heard this, Justin. The Giants fired their offensive line coach, Mark Colombo, 
and they're bringing in an old uh, one of their old coaches. They actually their own line coach that they had when they won the Super Bowl. I think it's like I can't. I still cannot. Oh, Joe. Joe said it. Joe said that's a false report here because I heard from Bleacher Report that uh, that 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 they that they were going to fire and bring in uh, Dave uh, Del Grimio as as the O line coach. But Joe just told us that that's a false report. So I didn't hear that either. Yeah, I actually saw it because I I I I've had Bleacher Report and the Giants are one of my teams, so I heard I saw that uh, that come up. But uh, if Joe just wants to come on and and, and just uh, t- t- and just tell us that he heard it was false. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny, guys. Just before showtime, I was looking up the info. I had also seen the Bleacher Report, um, and I was going to add it into the show, into the graphics. And when I went to research it, um, I came across another person who reported that that was a nonsensical story that was floating around, that there was no fight between Mark Colombo and Joe Judge, and none of that happened, and no one's really quite sure where it came from. Okay, okay. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Th- thanks, thanks for correcting us, Joe. Thanks I'll continue that, to Joe. monitor it, and if anything changes, I certainly will let you know. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. So we're going to move on to the games this week, and we're going to start with the your Patriots. We got a big win last week over the te- over the uh, Ravens as they play the uh, as they play the Texans this week. And this game it definitely is a game that the Patriots should should win, and a game that they match up well with. Be- they ma- they do match up with the te- well with the Texans because the Patriots are able to run the football really well. That's the best. By far the biggest strength of the Patriots offense this year. You saw it Sunday night against the Ravens. The, the way they're able to run the ball behind their offensive line, Joe Tooney, Shaq Mason, David Andrews, Isaiah Wynn, and the rookie they they, they got who's, who's at, at right tag who's had a really good year too. And they got, obviously got Damian Damian Harris who's who's played really well as well. So I think they're gonna they're not gonna have a problem running the ball against the uh against the uh Texans run defenses, which is one of the worst in football. The only issue, though, is they're not going to be able to pull away from the Texans, and I think Deshaun Watson is going to make plays in this game. I think he's going to keep the Texans in this game, but I think this game comes down to the end with the Patriots defense making a makes a, making a play against against uh, Deshaun Watson, and I get the Patriots winning this game. I got them winning it 24-20 over the Texans. Yeah, I got my Pats going on the road, picking up the win, 27-23. This was a fun one last year in Sunday football, and the Pats dominated most areas of the game. One turnover kind of hurt. They kind of couldn't convert a couple of field goals. Texans were able to score uh, some touchdowns instead. It was kind of the difference. But, yeah, that was a great win Sunday night. That was wild with all the rain going down. But it, it was a lot of the young guys that stepped up. You know, Trez Hall that they picked up, um, playing for Bentley. Juan Bentley has been awful at linebacker. Hall's given a nice boost at that position. Jacoby Myers, it you know, has snuck through the cracks here. Yeah, he's, he's played better. He should have had another touchdown. Can't miss him in the end zone there yeah he did he, he, he did and um Damien Harris I know you mentioned him he's he's been great at running back um you know he's been fun to watch and then yeah the old line too they've been really black and well um so right now you know it seems like they may have finally found a turnover last two games they haven't turned the ball over so it seems like maybe they turned a corner here a bit um you know a little bit better but they've been playing better this is going to be tough to slow down Deshaun Watson's offense. I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to shut him down. But if they can keep the ball out of his hands and keep that defense, that defense is really bad at stopping the run. Um, I think they definitely can go down there and get the win, and you know, move back to five hundred and go five and five. And this is a game they need to win. 
if they're going to make if they're going to have any shot at making the playoffs. They lose this game, they're done. There's no they lose this game, there's no way they're making the playoffs. You can't you cannot lose, especially this in this at this point in the season. You cannot lose to a, I know Deshaun Watson's a really good quarterback, but this is this is a this is a terrible roster which made it probably one of the worst trades in league history in the offseason and everyone knows what that was trading DeAndre Hopkins seeing the catch he made. The Patriots the, the Patriots lose this game, there is no way they're making the playoffs. Yeah, there's not. I, I definitely agree with you there. This is a team that they they should be. Um, it's a team that they they done usually pretty well against. They lost a tough one last year, but yeah, because their schedule gets tough coming up. You know, you got Arizona at home next week, and then you go to a three game road trip. Yeah, you so, got the Chargers, which they can win, but then you got the Rams, yeah. then you got the three division team. You got the Dolphins, you got the you got the you got the Bills, and then and luckily you got the Jets at the yeah. end. Yeah. So yeah, this is a must win game. It gets you back because because there's there's going to be a team probably in the AFC that's going to have nine or 10 wins that may get left out of the playoffs. So yeah, you know, they, they can't really afford another, you know, a loss here to Texan team that you definitely should beat. So yeah, definitely. If they want to stay in the race, they got to win this game on the road. We got an AFC matchup in Baltimore and it's a rematch of a game in the divisional round of the playoffs last year as the Titans head to Baltimore to face the Ravens. But the big difference between the Titans this year and last year is their defense. And their defense is not the same. And last year, a big reason why they won that game against the Ravens was they, they completely shut down the Ravens' running game. And I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think the Ravens are going to be able to run the ball well against, against the Titans' defense. I think Ingram's going to run the ball well. I think Dobbins is. And I think Jagos Edwards is. I think Lamar Jackson will get his yards on the ground, too. He may be able to throw a touchdown. May throw, he might throw a touchdown pass as well. I do think the Ravens have success on the ground, too. You saw, you saw in the game against the uh, – against the Ravens against the Patriots. They had a lot of trouble stopping the run. I think they'll have trouble stopping Derrick Henry again, just like they did in the playoff game. But at the end of the day, I think this game, again, comes down to the end where either the Titans have to stop the Ravens running game or Ryan Tannehill has the ball in his hands. And I don't think the Titans do either. I don't think they can get a late score against the Ravens defense or stop the Ravens running game late. And that's why I got the Ravens winning this game. And I got them winning it 24 to 19 over the Titans. Yeah, I got the Ravens again, bounce back from last year's playoff blow out um i got him win 28 to 24 you know um i think one of the big things the ravens that i think they're struggling the passing it too is i think they they're really missing hayden hurst and now that they're not down nick boyle i think that really make could make a difference in this game now that down to one tight end um you know just their passing game obviously has not been great all year um the titans I, they're definitely going to have a hard time slowing this team down. I don't – and especially if they play the same coverage that they did against the Colts because Phil Rivers can't beat you down the field, but they were giving them five, six yards every time. And, you know, they can kind of – the Ravens like to kind of play that dink and donk game. You know, they could play that dink and donk game, just hand it off, you know, just give it to the running backs or a Marquise Brown and all that. And, you know, they 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 could have definitely have some success moving the football. And I think they they will, and the Ravens will will win this game twenty to twenty four. Yes. So we got a AFC South matchup in New Orleans as the Falcons travel to New Orleans to face the Saints. Drew Brees is going to be out, and then that's obviously going to be a big injury. I mean, you puncture lug and 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 uh, and and ribs, so it's going to be a it's going to be he's definitely going to be out. I think three to four weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out until the playoffs. I mean, his his, his status is, is uncertain because he got hurt in the Week Eleven game against the Niners, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out until the playoffs. 
one thing about the Saints is they have probably one of the best backups in the league, and that's Jameis Winston. I mean, yeah, he threw 30 interceptions last year, but he also threw 33 touchdowns. He threw for over 5,000 yards. That's the one luxury the Saints have. That's why signing Winston in the offseason was a really good move for them because be, this reason that they have him in this game. And I think the Saints offense is, 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 is not going to miss a beat in this game. Y- yes, they won't be as good with Drew Brees, but knowing, knowing Jameis Winston, he knows this division. He's played Atlanta a bunch of times. I think that, uh, I think he has a big game. I think he gets the ball to Alvin Kamara. I think he gets the ball to Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. And they use Taysom Hill as a receiver and a running back at times. I do think the Falcons move the ball too. There's a good chance the Saints might not have, uh, uh, Marshawn Lattimore in this game. So I think, they, I think Matt Ryan gets the ball to Julio Jones and, uh, and uh, Calvin Ridley. But at the end, I got the Saints winning this and I got the Saints winning it close and I got them going eight and two. I got the Saints beating the Falcons 27 24. Yeah, I got the Saints at home winning this one 30 to 24. Um, I think, you know, I think definitely Winston, I think now you're going to see the Saints kind of offense go back to kind of what they used to be. I think they're going to take a lot of shots, go downfield. Um, because yeah, James Winston's gonna put up a lot of points, but he's gonna, but he's gonna give up a lot of points. He's gonna turn the ball over. Um, he's gonna put the opponents in, in better field position, but that's kind of what you get from him. But you know, they'll definitely put up some points. They were five and zero last year without Breeze, and Teddy Bridgewater is a you know decent quarterback. But I, you know, now you get a guy like James that likes to go downfield, and they and they're gonna be able to. So I think, yeah, the Saints are really going to be able to move this ball against this weak Falcons defense. Um, and then, yeah, for Atlanta, um, they'll be able to move the ball. And I think um, – but I just think that they won't be able to do enough to beat the Saints at the Super Superdome. No one struggled the first first quarter last week, but kind of got going um, second, third quarter, and they blew out the Niners. So I'm going to take the Saints go to 8-2 and two and hopefully – continue to look like the best team in the NFC. Before we go to our next game, we got some breaking news. And Joe says the Giants have fired uh, offensive line coach uh, Mark Colombo. Uh, uh, and they're going to bring in uh, Dave, uh, Del Grimio. He was their uh, – and don't forget, Dave was their offensive line coach when they won the Super Bowl in 2007. So he's coming back. I see some of Joe's other comments. Colombo didn't like the idea of a consultant and, and, uh, and Judge let him go. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing right now for the Giants is – their offensive line has definitely, I think, been the weakest part of their team this season. It has gotten better, but it, it has been the weakest part of their team this year. So I do think this move makes sense a little bit because, uh, I mean, yes, Andrew Thomas has improved. But, you know, Will Hernandez was not good before he got hurt. Kevin Zeitler was having his worst season. Obviously, Nick Gates has struggled, and Cam Fleming is absolutely terrible. So I don't mind this move. Joe Judge is holding people accountable. He wants he wants the best out of, out of, out of every position. And uh, and I think that uh, I, I don't mind the move. Uh, uh, Dave, Dave Del, Del uh, Grimio, he's been in, he's been in this league for a long time. He was the offensive line coach with the Patriots when they won the Super Bowl in 2014. So he's been there for a while. So I I, I don't mind the move. I don't mind the shakeup here. I think we have, I think yes, they're on a two game winning streak, but I don't mind the shakeup. And uh, we'll see what happens going forward. Yeah, you know, um, you know, this is the week to do it on the bye week. This is the week to kind of make changes within the coaching staff. Um, you know, yeah, and for, yeah, Giants, it's kind of been the one – they have improved, but I, this is like the one area I think so far that um, they're not really great at. Um, I know Thomas, yeah, Thomas has been playing – has been playing better than what he was at the beginning of the year. Um, but, yeah, you know, if and especially if um, – I don't know how to pronounce – what do you – Del 
Gamil, is it? Yeah, I think, I think. Joe, Joe, do you know the pronunciation of his name? Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's tough to it's tough to pronounce. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but yeah, he's had a lot of experience in this league. Uh, it looks obviously. like it looks like D. Julimo. Did you leave? Yeah, you yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. G would be silent in Italian. So, do Gilamino, do Guglielmo, yeah, something yeah. like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, just call it, him Coach D. Coach D. Gotcha. Coach D. Yeah, but Coach D. Yeah, he's had a lot of success, success in this league. I mean, with the Giants, with the Patriots, previously under Joe Judge. So, I, you know, I'm, I, I like the move as a Giants fan. I like the shakeup there, even though they're on a two-game winning streak. I like the shakeup, and I like how Judge is holding everyone accountable. Yeah, you know, that that's definitely a good sign that Judge is holding everybody accountable. Um, and good to have, you know, Judge and, and Coach D know each other, too, from being in the organization. Coach D knows the Giants organization as well, especially if, if Joe Judge is really trying to bring back, you know, those old teams of, you know, they want to be physical up front and all that. I think, you know, this is definitely a smart move for the Giants to make this, um, especially, you know, um, with the rookie, you know, Thomas, and then even uh, Matt uh, Parrot, Parrot, that's been pretty good when he's gotten his time this year as well. So it's definitely a good move for the Giants and definitely could be one in their favor. Absolutely, absolutely. But we're going to circle back uh, to the uh, Week 11 games, and we're going to probably the most live-sided game of Week 11. Yeah, and Jags have been a surprise recently, but I think they're not going to be as competitive as they were against the Texans and the Packers. I, I think Steelers head down to to face the Jaguars, and I think this game it ends up ends up being a blowout. I think this is a uh, this is a this complete blowout. I think that the uh, Steelers win this game 31 10. They have success on the ground with James Conner. I think uh, I think Big Ben has a good game. I think that uh, he gets the ball to Claypool and uh, and uh, and Juju Smith Schuster. And I think that uh, again the uh, Steelers defense gets pressure on Jake Luton. And I think that Jake Luton, I think that the biggest difference here and why the Jaguars won't compete is I don't think that uh, James Robinson is going to have the game that he had, that he had against the Packers and the Texans. And I think that's going to be a big problem. And I got the Steelers winning 31, 10 over the Jacks. For me, the reason why I, I say this game to be 20 to 13 Pittsburgh is because this, you know, and I know Pittsburgh blocked Cincinnati last week, but Pittsburgh likes to win these very low-scoring, ugly football games. So I think, you know, their Jacksonville is going to be able to hang around with them. Can they move the ball enough? I don't think so. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't really I, – I could – with how bad the Jags' defense has been, um, yeah, I could definitely see the Steelers putting up 30 on them. But I don't really see – I just feel like the Steelers are going to try to run the ball in this game. Um, and – try to just manage the clock and just, you know, I don't really see him blowing them out. You know, as long as the Jaguars don't turn the ball over, they can, you know, get a couple of turnovers to big Ben's throwing a couple of them or, you know, a couple of interceptions. I definitely see the Jaguars keeping this thing close. Um, but again, I don't you know. Jacksonville is going to have to protect Jake Luton. I don't know if that's going to, you know, that it worries me that they're not going to be able to, but the way Pitt likes to really play games, but an exception of last week is just keeping games close and kind of win them, winning them ugly. And I think this is going to be one of those games. 
We got an interconference matchup in Cleveland, which has a lot of interest to Giants fans as the uh, Eagles head to Cleveland to face the Browns. And this is a matchup of two offenses, one that knows who they are. The Browns, they know who they are. They want to run the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And the Eagles, their offense pretty much has no identity. Do they want to play through Carson Wentz? Do they want to play through Miles Sanders? The Eagles right now have no identity on offense. That's why they're that's why they're really struggling. And in this game, I think Cleveland does a really good job controlling control. control uh, uh, running the football like they like they have in all their wins. I think they run the ball with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, makes some plays, makes the plays he needs to make. And for the Eagles, I think that you know Carson Wentz will make plays, but and Miles Sanders will get some yards on the ground. But the problem is, I'm taking the team with the with more of an identity on offense. I'm taking the Browns in this game. I think Baker Mayfield. He might not make more plays than Carson Wentz, but he'll definitely make less mistakes than Carson Wentz. And that's why I got the Browns beating the Eagles. 27-20. Yeah, I get the Browns winning 28 to 17. And they that that Eagles performance last week was pathetic coming off the bye. Don't get me wrong, the Giants played a really, really good game. I'm not trying to take any away from the Giants, but coming off a bye and just having that pathetic of an effort, uh it just was not good. They you know, it was the first time they didn't convert on a third down since so like 2004. Um it's just, yeah, they don't really have any identity. And coming off a of bye, too, and not being able to have kind of an identity, to it just, you know, it was just awful. Doug um, Peterson is one and four coming off byes. Remember Andy Reid? Andy Reid didn't even lose any – I think Andy Reid, like, lost one game when he was the coach of the Eagles coming off a of bye. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that That's bad, coming off a of bye, one and four. That's usually, you know, you get the extra week. You get to kind of scout your opponent the week before. Yeah, that's – you know, you being able to fix everything that that's that's bad. That's bad. I didn't know it was that bad. One of four. Um, so yeah, um, definitely, you know, um, and then on the brown side of things, I think Miles Garrett, he's been having a big year. I think it continues. I think he gets pressure on once. I think he makes a couple of plays. Um, and I think, yeah, yeah, Cleveland to be able to run the ball with Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they're gonna be and Baker's just gonna manage this game well. They'll keep the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands and. Browns will win this game by double digits. Got an NFC matchup down in Carolina as the Lions travel down to Carolina to face the Panthers. And in this game, if they had, if the Panthers had a healthy McCaffrey and a healthy Bridgewater, I picked them to win this game. But both their statuses are uncertain for the game on Sunday. And I know Stafford is banged up for the Lions, but I feel like the Lions are going to be able to run the ball with with Matthew Stafford. And I think that Stafford's going to make enough plays in the game. They might they might not score a lot of touchdowns, but I think they'll kick a lot of field goals. Same thing with the Panthers. I, I, even if P.J. Walker plays quarterback, I think they'll be able to move the football, but not score a lot of touchdowns and kick a lot of field goals. And that's why I got the Lions winning this game. I got the Lions winning a close one. I got the Lions beating the Panthers 23-16. to 16. Yeah, I got the Panthers winning 27-24. I'm anticipating Bridgewater playing, but not – It'll probably be definitely more low scoring, and I probably give the edge to the Lions. But I think this is, you know, Bridgewater plays. I think it's a game where, as usual, Detroit gets up in front of the team, and Carolina comes back, and Teddy leads them down the field for a game winner. Um, I think Mike Davis could have a big game on the ground for whoever plays quarterback for the Panthers. I, don't know, I think they'll be able to run the ball. And I like how the Lions have really gotten DeAndre Swift involved in the offense. Yeah, good game last week. Yeah. He had a good game last week for them. And then I think even before their bye, too, I think even it's the um, Vikings, he played well. Colts, I think he caught a touchdown. So they've been really getting in the last few weeks, which is a good sign. Um, you know, with Stafford banged up, I think Carolina is going to be able to get the win at home. And 
move to four and seven. I trust Carolina to pull out a game when I trust the Lions. We got a interconference matchup down in D.C. as the Bengals head down to D.C. to face the Washington football team. And I think this is going to be a really close competitive game. I think the Redskins, who's all, who Alex, who Alex Smith has actually has played pretty well, especially last week. He didn't play badly last week. Brought him back down from twenty-four to three to tie to tie that game, and unfortunately, they end up losing on a game-winning field goal. But you know, I think I think Alex Smith is going to play well. I think they'll get the run game going with Antonio Gibson and, and J.D. McKissick. And I think on the Bengals side, I think Joe Burrow has a good game too. But I think the big difference in this game is I think the Redskins protect their quarterback better than the Bengals do. And I think the Redskins front four makes a play, especially late in the game. Either Chase Young or Montez Sweat makes a play late in this game. And that's why I got the Red Washington winning this by one score. I got Washington beating the Bengals twenty-three twenty. I get. I get Cincy going on the road and getting the win 23 to 21. Um, I, the big key in this game is yes, for if the Bengals can somehow protect Joe Burrow and be able to, you know, give him some time, I definitely think the Bengals make enough plays. Once it's secondary, they're ranked second right now, in the passing game. Um, but I think, you know, Bengals could definitely make some plays. Um, and I think, you know, also they can force some Alex Smith turnover or just some turnovers in general. Um, you know, Alex Smith, it was great to see him play well last week and see him be able to come back, you know, bring his team back. I know that, yeah, they lost on the on the field goal by Matt Prater, but, um, you know, and then for the Bengals, too, they were 0 for 13 last week on third down. They're only 30% on the year, so they got to get, like, third and manageable. Um, I believe Joe Mixon's still questionable, so it would help. Um, if they get him back, too, it would be nice. Um so I, I think the Bengals do enough on the road to get the one. We go to the four o'clock games, and here's the, a spread that I don't understand at all. I don't understand how a team with Philip Rivers uh, out of his prime with their quarterback. I know they're six and three, but you got Philip Rivers out of his prime. Uh, they're a fa- two point favorite to beat the Packers, who are right now currently the number one seed in the in the NFC. Even though the Packers did have a Rough week last week, barely beating, uh, squeaking by the Jaguars. But this week, I think the Packers you know, definitely come to play this week. I think that Aaron Rodgers has a big game passing the ball, getting the ball to Valdez, Scantling, and uh, and Devontae Adams. I do think the run game isn't that much of a factor because the Colts do a really good job stopping the run. And on, on offense for the Colts, I think they, they they run the football too with with whoever really has the hot hand. If it's if it's Nakeem Hines, like it was last Thursday night, if it's uh, if it's uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, or if it's a uh, Oh, or if it's Wilkins, whoever has a hot hand, I think the Colts run the ball well, but I think this game comes right down to the end. And I think the ball's in Phillip Rivers' hands. And unfortunately, he either doesn't, doesn't drive them to the game-winning touchdown or he turns the ball over. And that's why I got the Packers win it close. I got the Packers beating the Colts 27-23. Yeah, I get the Packers win is 24-21. The only thing I could just say about the line is they, that's probably those, that's one of the, you know, either Vegas really thinks that the Colts, you know, or like really, you know, thought Titans were a really, really good football team, or it also could mean Vegas knows something that we don't, um, which means, you know, usually we'll probably, some, you know, would win the game. But I do have the Packers win this 24-21. Um, I, I, uh, I just, yeah, I trust Aaron Rodgers more than I tr- trust Phillip Rivers. And, again, you know, I don't mention it, but – you know, the way the Titans played their coverage, they just let Phillip Rivers just complete five, six-yard passes every time. And I, and I think uh, 
Jari Alexander is going to take either Pittman Jr. or Hilton or Pascal and pretty much take that receiver away. I think that's a big thing that they're going to do, and that's going to, and that's going to affect Phillip Rivers in this game. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, that will definitely cause Phillip to make some turnovers, make some mistakes, or just miss guys. So um, that's definitely a big, big factor in this game. And, and you know, if the Packers can just slow down their three-headed monster, who's ever you know the one you know the one Colts guy. It does have the high end in the moment. If they can slow down that guy and make Phillip Rivers kind of have to win the game through the air, I definitely think the Packers come away with this win and move to uh, eight and two. We got an NFC matchup in Minnesota between the red hot Minnesota Vikings who've won three in a row and the Dallas Cowboys who've lost uh, uh, four in a row. These teams are going in two completely different directions. And I think that's going to be the story on Sunday, even though the Vikings uh, are coming off a short week, they came off a win over the bears. I think they don't really have a problem in this game. I think Dalvin cooks run the ball. Well, I wasn't going to be able to get the Adam Justin Jefferson. And I think on offense, boys are absolutely terrible with Andy, Andy Dalton starting. And Andy Dalton is probably the starting quarterback in the league right now. I think he's going to struggle. Minnesota defense isn't good. It's been playing better recently. And I think Dalton's going to struggle. And I got the Vikings winning this game. I got the Vikings winning it big. I got them winning 28 10 over the Cowboys. Yeah, I got the Vikings winning this one 30 to 17. I think, um, again, you know, Mike Zimmer's done a great job. The scene kind of looked, you know, dead at one and five they go to green bay get the win and now you know they they could end this homestand here at seven and five and be looking at a wild card spot so mike zimmer's done a great job of turning the corner for this team um that was coming off the bye here i you know and i know we only saw garrett gilbert for one game but you know i thought that he gave the team more life than he's i feel like he's better than Andy dalton right now honestly and I, I don't understand why they're not riding the hot hand and they're and they're going back to Andy Dalton, who was absolutely terrible. Yeah, I see that game-winning drive against the Giants, but he was absolutely terrible in the games against the Cardinals and the Redskins. Yeah, he he was. You know, Garrett Gilbert gave you a you know he he kept you in that game against the Steelers and game you the Cowboy definitely could have won. So yeah, it's definitely an interesting move here. Um, there's no way Dallas gonna be able to stop the running attack here of Dalvin Cook. You know, he, he's going to have a huge game. There's another three, four touchdowns for him. Um, and, yeah, Vikings will move to five and five. Kirk Cousins will do enough. And, yeah, Minnesota 30-17. The Dolphins try to extend their winning streak to six games on Sunday as they head out to Denver to face the Broncos. And I think they do that. I think I don't care who's running the ball for the Dolphins. I think they have success on the ground. I think Tua plays well and manages the game. And I think the, the biggest I think the biggest reason why they win this game by two scores is Drew Locke has played poorly. He played a terrible game last week. I was dumb enough to pick them last week against the Raiders. But I mean, yeah, I mean Drew Locke had a terrible game last week, and I don't think he pro- he's probably not even going to start this week. I think it's Brett Ribbons, Rippin who's going to start for the Broncos. And I think that Dolphins defense plays really well. And I, and I got the Dolphins winning this one by two scores. I got the Dolphins beating the Broncos twenty-four to thirteen. Yeah, I got it twenty-one thirteen. Um, I this yeah. Um, yeah, Locke's been banged up. Locke has not played well at all. The turnover margin is minus 12, and you're playing a Miami team that's been good at forcing some turnovers. Their defense has been lights out. Um, I, I, I think the Dolphins, you know, to definitely will, will win this game. Um, they'll, you know, I think this is one of the games where Tua doesn't have to do a ton so far, or he won't have to do a ton. They'll be able to kind of just run the ball. Um, they'll get a lead early and just kind of just – play off the momentum for the lead. 
I think, you know, I well, I think I may have been wrong about Drew Locke. I know it's still early, but I really like him. But right now, I'm really starting to change my opinion at the moment about Drew Locke. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's just not he's just not played well. And yo, know, you got to comment from Frank. Have you seen the Dolphins' defense? I sure have seen the Dolphins' defense, Frank. And I think uh, potentially that's that, that's definitely a top ten defense in the NFL. If you look at their top three in points scored, Byron Jones and Xavier and Howard are outside of outside of Humphrey and uh, Peters in Baltimore. That's the best player corners in the league. I mean, they got Kyle Van Noy who's played pretty well. I mean, Emmanuel Ogba, he's a really good year. He's a really underrated player in the defense. And obviously, and he's uh, not played that poorly at linebacker too. And uh, their defense, defense. I'm telling you, it's really. I think that's the biggest. And yes, two has been very good. He had the ball over, but that's I think the biggest reason why the Dolphins are six and three. Their defense has been. It's a top ten defense in the league, and the defense has been really good. Yeah, it has. You know, and I know that, and it's and it's a defense too that I think is getting better by the week. You know, um, I think you know the first few weeks against the Patriots Bills, they kind of really struggled, but. Then it's really it's gotten better pretty much, you know, since like that Niner game. I, you know, I didn't even think they played that bad against Seattle either with how good their offense has been. But yeah, the last few weeks they've been um, really good. That Byron Jones sign been great. Howard's one of the best um, corners in the, in the league right now. So yeah, you know, I definitely agree. Dude. I think this defense right now they got a lot of you know a lot of young pieces. So I think the future is really bright for the Miami D, and they're just they're improving week in and week out and they should be able to shut down the Denver offense without question. But we got a game of two pumping teams out in LA as the jets travel all the way out to LA, the winless jets to face the uh, Los Angeles chargers who are, t- are two and seven. And I think in this game, I think the chargers, uh, this, is a game, this is a get right game for the chargers. I think they're able to run the ball with Justin Jackson and do it uh, with Justin Jackson and uh, Kalen Balaj. I, I think that Justin Herbert has a good game getting the ball to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And I think Sam Darnold might make some plays, but not enough plays. And that's why I got the, I got the chargers winning this game by two scores. I got the chargers beating the jets 27, 13. I get the chargers 28 to 20. I just, I can't trust the charges to blow at anybody right now. Cause it's just, you know, they're going to, you know, I think that, you know, because Joe Flacco moved the ball pretty well with New England. No Sam Darnold again, which when he came back in from that Denver game and now he's having this many, you know, that it's really become a problem with the shoulder. Coming off a of bye week, it's pretty bad look on the organization for even putting him out there against Denver. Um, but, I, you know, I think, you know, so Flacco, I think, be able to move the ball um, – offensively but defensively i don't think they're making enough stops justin herbert's gonna be able to make enough plays and um be i you know i could definitely see this game chargers up by two scores and kind of the jets maybe make like a late push here in the fourth quarter just i just don't you know these are two of the worst coaches right now in the league um you know so i i see the chargers trying you know keeping this thing interesting for a while we got a big, big AFC West matchup on Sunday night as the Chiefs try to get revenge uh, against the Raiders, who gave them their only loss of the season. And this should be this should be a great game. I mean, I think I think it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be an exciting game. I think for Kansas City, they're going to move the ball a ton again, just like the first game. I think Kansas City's going to be able to move the ton of, uh, the ball a lot against this just Raiders defense with with uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Clyde Edwards-Helaire. And I think for the Raiders, I think the Raiders have success on offense too, with obviously with uh, Derek Carr, 
uh, with Josh Jacobs and with uh, with uh, Darren Waller. But I just can't see the Raiders beating Mahomes twice. I like the Raiders. I think they have a very good chance of making the playoffs this year. I just can't see them beating Mahomes twice. I got the Chiefs winning this one close. I got the Chiefs beating the Raiders 34-27. Yeah, I, my brother and dad may kill me, but I, I'm taking the Raiders 31-27. <laughs> um, you know, I think the Raiders, you know, it, it, it does worry me because Andy Reid coming off a of bye, you know. He's great. He's outstanding coming off buys. Which does worry me in this game. But I, it, as, you know, the Raiders right now, you know, they're up there in time of possession. They're averaging, they're, you know, they have the ball average about 33 minutes a game. Um, I just see Carr being a man this game. And, again, Devontae Booker has been such a nice signing just with the complimentary now of, of Josh Jacobs. Um, really helped that running game out. I see John, I see Derek Carr not making too many mistakes. If they can get out, if the Raiders can get out to the lead and keep it and just be able to run the ball with Josh Jacobs, I think they have a really, really solid chance to win this game. I didn't like how Casey went in the bye when, the, you know, playing Carolina. I know they smoked the Jets and smoked the Broncos before that, but I didn't like the way they entered the bye. And I really. <laughs> Joe says he's with you with the Raiders. Yeah. I'm yeah, yeah, and I, and they, actually, I was on Keys to the City. I was, I was actually commenting on Keys to the City yesterday, and they were doing like pretenders and uh, contenders. And I was listing, I was listing my contenders, and I had, I had the Chiefs, I had, I had the Steelers, I had the Ravens. I, I, I even put the Bills there, and I, and I said one last one was the Raiders, but I felt like they definitely were the team I was the least confident with in. But they did beat the Chiefs. But still, yeah. the reason I would say that is. The, the defense is below average still. And the quarterback, I like the quarterback a lot, but he's not, I still don't think Derek Carr is as good as, uh, as Mahomes, uh, Big Ben or uh, Lamar. So I put the Raiders in that conversation, but, but if they win this game, I'll promise everyone that I will come. I'll have, I'll be, I, they will be completely in my, on my contenders list. If they win this game, I promise everyone that the Raiders win this game. All right, yeah, and I um, – As Joe says, he just has to be good enough to win games. Exactly, exactly. And he, will, and he has been this year, and I think it's really opened things up that they've been good. Um, again, it's been run first, and they've and he's kind of just been more of a game manager. And I know Joe probably commented too, you know. It would not shock me that if the uh, Raiders gave the Chiefs their only two losses. Because, you know, and I was – my brother thought this year they could win nine to ten games. I kind of laughed. I was like, I don't think you guys won more than eight, but – um, he's been right so far, you know, and I think their defense, if they can kind of force, um, Mahomes to make a mistake or two, I think they definitely win this game. I'm going to take the Raiders at home 31, 27. It should be a great game. It should be a great game either way, but I just can't bet against Mahomes to lose to a team twice in one year. I, I just, I just don't see that happening, but we got to get to a Monday night game. And this is another great game as we got the uh, six and three Rams again, going down to Tampa to face the seven and three Buccaneers. And a lot of people have argued that these might be the two best teams in the NFC. I kind of disagree a little bit. I think the Buccaneers are a better team. Honestly, if the Rams had Andrew Whitworth at left tackle and they're going to miss him because he's going to be out, he's probably gonna be out for the rest of the regular season. I think the Rams would have the most complete team in the NFC West, but his absence, I think is going to hurt this offense because Jared Goff is very, very reliant on, on not having, he's very good when he's not pressured. But the problem with Jared Goff is once you pressure him, he is a different quarterback. And I think that's, what's going to happen in this game. I think, I think that, that uh, Goff's going to have trouble against this Buccaneers defense. Cause I think Shaq Barrett and Jason Paul 
are going to get pressure on him. I think Goff's going to struggle in this game. He might turn the ball over once. I think the loss of Whitworth is really going to hurt the the the, the, uh, the Rams in this game. Also, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball. And a big reason why the Rams' offense is better than it was last year is they've been able to run the ball with Dontrell Henderson and, and uh, Mal- Malcolm Brown, and their offensive line has been much improved for um, from what it was last year. So I think they're going to have trouble doing that. And on the defensive side of the ball, I do think Jalen Ramsey, just like last week against uh, DK Metcalf, I do think he's going to give uh, Mike Evans tr- trouble. The problem though for the Rams is the Buccaneers are really deep at receiver. And I think Brady's going to get the ball around. He's going to spread the ball around to, uh, he's going to get definitely get the ball to Chris Godwin. I think Chris Godwin might have one of his best games of the season this year. And I think that Antonio Brown's going to contribute and also Scotty Miller. I think Brady's going to have a really good game. And I got the Bucks for this, and I got them winning by double digits. I got the Bucks beating the Rams 27-17. Wow. Uh, I got the Bucks 23-20. to um, You know, I know Whitmer's, Whitmer's a huge loss, but I really like this Rams defense. Um, Brady's really struggled, too, this year against the Blitz. He's ranked 32nd out of 33 quarterbacks that qualified right now against the Blitz. So I think if the Rams can get pressure, which I think they definitely could, the, the Bucks. Oh, um, defense or offensive line's been good, but I, you know, um, I still think, you know, Aaron Donald, he gets, gets some pressure on Brady and I think the Rams can keep this thing close, but yeah, losing Whitmore is such a huge loss. And I think the Bucks, the same thing are going to get pressure on Jerry Goff and he'll make some mistakes in this game. But I think the, I think the Bucks do pull it out. And I, you know, um, they look good in that second half last week against the against the Panthers but as long as the Bucks can get out to an early lead and make off have to kind of come back and, and throw the ball I think the Bucks should definitely win this game it should be a good one it should be a good one it should be a great week of NFL this week I got, got a lot of really good games but we got to shift over to the NBA and this is a huge week in the NBA and before we get to the draft tonight we got to get to to the trades that have been happening this week and, and obviously the biggest the, the biggest news has been uh, James Harden and James Harden uh, wanting out of Houston. That that has been the big news for, for the for the for the Rockets. And and the Rockets said today that they're they're in no rush to trade either Harden or Westbrook. But this week he rejected an extension, is a two year, one hundred and three million dollar extension, which would have made him the highest player in the M- player in the NBA, making over fifty million a year. But he rejected that, and he really really wants to get to the Nets. And uh, if you look, if they could get the, the Nets could pull this off. The Nets and Rockets could pull off this trade. You look at the Nets' uh, big three. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and uh, James Harden. Talent-wise, that is better than the Warriors' big three of Steph Curry, uh, uh, Kevin Durant, and uh, and Clay Thompson. That's a better big three. I mean, coaching-wise and chemistry-wise, it might not be as good, but talent-wise, that's a better big three. And if the Nets could somehow pull this off, they'll obviously be – oh, you got a comment from Frank. James Harden goes to the Nets. That will be a disaster. I, I, here, here's where I, here's where and, and I bet Frank because he's a Dolphins fan. I bet he's a Heat fan too. Mm-hmm. So here's 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 the one thing about this: if he does go to the Nets, yes, chemistry could be an issue with, with could be an issue with Durant, with Kyrie, and with Harden. Chemistry could definitely be an issue there. But as we've known for years, the NBA is a players' league, and a, and a, again, all three love the ball. Harden is a baby when he doesn't get the ball. Yes, yes. They they all they all are and yes he said yes he's a Heat fan and we know the Heat we know the Heat org- we know the Heat they're they're the best organization in the league and they proved that this year but yeah I mean I think that uh, yes the chemistry could be an issue and obviously Steve Nash being a first year head coach that could be an issue too but 
I feel like the talent of those three guys and those three guys are all outstanding one-on-one players that could all drop, you know, 40, 50 points a night. I think eventually the talent of those three would prevail. I wouldn't guarantee if they got hardened that they would win the championship or, or even the East. Absolutely not. But I'd have to have them as my favorite if they got James Harden just because of the talent of those three guys. Yeah, they would definitely be the favorite. I don't think that they would work though. So you're telling so Kyrie, okay, so yeah, because there's not enough, there's not enough basketballs on the floor for these three. Kevin Durant's absolutely not being your number three. James Harden's not gonna be your three. Is not, you know, your number three score. So Kyrie's not gonna want to be that either. But Kyrie in reality would probably have to be that guy. And I don't think that would go over very well for Kyrie because Kyrie's openly talked about being the guy. He wants to come back. You know, he's a Brooklyn guy. He wants to come back and win the Nets a title. I don't think he would take the backseat role here. Um, I, I, I think this would become toxic very, very quickly. Um, I, I don't think it would pan out. And, you know, it would make for great kind of New York media. But Oh, God, it'd be, cra- it'd be crazy. Yeah, it, it would, especially if this thing turns into a disaster, which I, I think it really would. I just don't think those three, I you know, I, I all three of those, you know, I get maybe not Durant as much, but James Harden and Kyrie Irving want the balls and want the ball in their hand every single time, and one of them's have to give it up, and I don't think both of them, maybe you know, I don't, you know, they definitely could be willing, but I just don't see it. I, I think those three are guys that want the ball they kind of have that alpha mentality and i i don't think it worked out i, I think it maybe they get to the finals again they could definitely win one if, if it they somehow kind of get it together but I, I i don't think it would work out in the next favor i think it could you know turn into a complete disaster I want to get to some of Frank's points. And he said, someone has got to have, going to have to take a back seat. And that's an excellent point by Frank. And, and really you've seen in their careers, these three guys, Durant, uh, uh, Tarden and, uh, and uh, Durant, Harden and Kyrie, none of those guys want to take a back back seat. And even one, I mean, yes, Kyrie won as a number two, but he, but two years later, he got ticked off a year later, he got ticked off being a number two and he ended up getting, and he ended up wanting to get, wanting to leave LeBron and his career. And you see what it, what's happened to his career since. He has he hasn't had the same success as he's left LeBron, and and I, and obviously you look at James Harden. I mean, him and Chris Paul didn't get along. Russell Westbrook wanted out too, and and then and, and and he made a good point about the Heat. The Heat understood uh, what 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 it was what it was when LeBron got there. Yes, the beginning it was a little bit of a struggle, but you expected it. But once they got going, they understood. Dwayne Wade was smart, even though Dwayne Wade won an NBA championship. He was a finals MVP. He was smart enough to understand LeBron's a better player than me. And I got to take a back seat. He took a back seat. Bosch was fine being the number three and it worked perfectly. They won two championships and they got the four straight NBA finals. So yes, I think this is a talent dominated league, but Frank makes a great point for this to work. All these guys got to understand their roles and these are not three players. Yes. Uh, two of these players have won uh, MVPs in this league, but these are not three players that want that that are that are right now that have proven in their time in this league that that, that they're going to even take a, a second role uh, to even take a role with being a number two, and one of them is now going to have to take a role being a number three. So yes, talent wise, it could it could it could it definitely is probably the most talented big three we've ever had. But will these guys be willing to sacrifice? That's the big question. Yeah, uh, yeah. Frank made some really good points, and I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I just don't think they'll be able to. Because 
you know, and I think that's one of the kind of the, you know, because, you know, yeah, Wade knew it, and then Bosch kind of knew, okay, these two are better. I'm going to take that that third type of spot. Yeah, I don't see these three guys being willing, you know, and they may talk about it, but when they're on the floor, yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. You know, they may be excited now about it. I, you know, in reality, yeah, there's just, there's no way. Cause it's, it would have to be Kyrie Irving. It would have to. And you made the point that, yeah, he won to be traded after being a number two to LeBron. You know, he's, you know, I think, you know, him and Kevin Durant, were going to be like the one, a one B, you know, but now, you, yeah, we weren't even sure how that was going to work with the, with those two. I mean, we weren't sure how that was going to work. Now you bring in another ego. Talent wise, it's great, but as you said, how how, how are the how, how are they how are, how are the three egos? What's what's going to happen if then they all come together? Yeah, and I you know, and I just don't I don't think it's going to work. It just it just seems like a f- formula for disaster. And then also too, it's like you would have to give up, you know, a. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Chris LeVert, probably, you know, um, Jared Allen. And it's like, they have some, and that's the other thing too, is I know the Lakers won, but they didn't have much bench. I'd rather have some depth, you know, to this team, you know, instead of just a big three. And then it's kind of just plugging, plugging guys in every night, you know, at, at different positions. So also in that standpoint, I just, I just rather, cause I think they have a young, they, they have some young talented kind of core behind, um, Irving and, and Durant also. So I just I just see it being a big mistake for the Nets. It, you know, the last time they tried to pay, trade off a big trade like this with Pierce, Garnett, and Rondo. Yeah, but I don't think you can, you can compare that because uh, with Pierce and KG, those guys were past their primes. You got, you, and they weren't even, they weren't even elite players in the league anymore. Th- these three guys, I mean, at least the Harden and Durant, they're clearly top 10 players in the game. And Kyrie's probably a top 15 player in the game and a top 10 scorer in the game. So I don't think you could, you could compare uh, when Pierce and KG came there. Yes, yes, the, the, yes, they traded off, they traded parts. But I now, I, 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 I love trying to go for it and get James Harden and, try to, and trying to get a championship, even though it might not work out because of the three egos. I do, I do like the fact that the Nets are trying to get James Harden. Yeah, you know, um, I just, I just, you know, it's, I don't, you know, I just, I can't get behind them doing it. I, I, I just think they're better off with Kyrie. Again, yeah, you add that, obviously, big three. I'd rather just have the depth part of it because you just have so much young, you, you know, they have, they brought in talent. You just throw that all away. And for something that I think it's just going to turn into disaster, I really don't think these big three are going to work. Um, Again, maybe it, you know, maybe it does turn into you know they win seventy four regular season games one year. You know, I, I can definitely see that happen. I just don't think it will. I rather, I know, um, but like even look at the like look at kind of like the Clippers this year. I know they and look and Frank made another comment. Yeah, look, maybe the three have spoken about this. Who knows? We all remember that was a big that was a big thing when when Miami uh, had their big three with uh, with uh, Bosch, Wade, and James. They all pretty much pretty much uh, came to, they pretty much created that together. So you never know the three might have not spoken. The three might've spoken about this and they might, and they might, and they might be behind the scenes trying to put this together. And that's a big thing that's happened in the NBA over the last decade. Yeah. Which is another point, you know, um, why can't say in the NBA, but they definitely, cause you know, I would, I still, I Durant and Harden have played together. 
Have all three of them played on an Olympic team? I think they have, right? I'm not sure if they played on an Olympic team together, but I don't think that really matters because, no, you know. Just, and um, like, just knowing each other wise, like, you know. That yeah, I think they, obviously, they all know each other. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we know, obviously, we know Durant and Harden played together with the Thunder that, that when they got to the finals in 2012. But I don't think Ky, uh, Kyrie has, I mean, obviously, they were on the team last year, but they didn't play. But Kyrie hasn't played with either of the two of them. Yeah, okay, yeah, he hasn't. But, um. They, you know, they probably may have spoken about it, but I just, yeah, it, to me, it just does not seem like you definitely have the best team in the league, but it just, those three just, I don't see them working out. I just see the egos getting in the way, and I could, you know, I could see them ending, you know, in a couple Eastern Conference Finals appearances. Yeah, we'll we'll see what ends up happening there. It should be interesting to see what the Rockets and Nets do there, but we got to get to some of the other trades and. One of the former Rockets, Chris Paul, he has been traded. He was obviously played for the Thunder last year. He's been traded to the Phoenix Suns. And personally, I really don't like this, this move for the Suns. I think they're kind of giving up on Kelly Oubre who had some potential. And I think Devin Booker's better. And they're giving up a first-round pick. And, at the end, I think Devin Booker's better when he has the ball in his hands. I think Booker might not average as many points a game with, with Paul being the point guard. I think Booker's better. I think the Suns are probably a better team. You saw the way he played in the bubble. The Suns are a better team when Booker has the ball in his hands. So I really don't like this trade, even though the Suns will win more games. I still think they're not going to get out of the first round. No, I don't think so. I, and they're in the Pacific division too. There's they're still the fourth best team in that division. You know, they're, the Warriors are not, you know, the Warriors are going to be much better this year as well. Obviously they got the two big LA teams that they're not going anywhere. So yeah, to me, it, it was such a weird move. You know, and I, yeah, you know, and for a guy like, because they had Ricky Rubio, like he's a guy that, you know, um, is better kind of off ball and, and just um, with assisting wise, you know, and I think that was a huge help for Booker. But yeah, now you bring in a guy like Chris Paul, I, I definitely don't, yeah, I, it was definitely a weird move. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of either. I don't think it's going to help Devin Booker out. Um, Again, I don't know because I just don't know how much better this team's gonna be with them. It's such a the Pacific Division with those Warriors, Clippers, Lakers. It's just so deep that it's a move that they didn't, they're not really going anywhere. They're better than the Kings still. You know that didn't that move didn't make them. You know they were better than the Kings before the move, and they still are after. So I just it, it was a weird move. I didn't understand it. I'm not a big fan of it either. The Bucks went out and made a deal yesterday, and I think this deal getting Drew Holiday, this is pretty much a deal to try to keep Giannis in, Mil in Milwaukee, but I just don't think this deal is really going to keep him in Milwaukee. I like Drew Holiday, but he has issues staying healthy, and again, they more they got rid of three first-round picks, uh, and, and Frank made a good point about the Suns. I, he thinks the Suns gave up too much for uh, for uh, uh, for Chris Paul, and I agree with him. I agree with him. They gave up too much, they gave up too much for a team that's probably going to get beat in the first round of the playoffs. Now, circling back to the Bucks. I think they gave up a little bit too much too for uh, Drew for Drew Holiday. Uh, you, there's a very good chance you'll lose Giannis next year, and you're mortgaging future first round picks. So I think they gave up too much here. Even though this move getting Holiday, he is an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe, and this move could definitely get the Bucks to, to the final. So I could see this move both. I see this going. I get going both ways for the Bucks. Yeah, I'm same. Yeah, and you could see they're mortgaging their whole future to keep Giannis here. Like if Giannis does leave, they they're they, you know they they're in some serious problems here um, with how much they've been up. But yeah, you know um, if Drew Holiday can stay healthy for this team, I think it definitely could um, 
being nice factor because Eric Bledsoe struggled in the playoffs. It wasn't great. You know, George Hill, he's kind of up there in prime. I think, you know, we've seen Drew Holiday. He's been good when he could stay healthy. He's been a really, really good point guard when he could stay healthy. That's the big thing here. Um, they did give up a lot for him and I, as well. But um, I like the, you know, I do like the move trying to really fix everything around Giannis and really try to help, you know, give him as much assets as they can. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they gave up a little bit too much for him. But you can see they're really desperate to keep Giannis in Milwaukee right now. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a, to the last trade, and that was – we'll quickly talk about this one. Robert Covington, uh, he he went to the uh, – he got traded from the uh, – from the from the uh, Blazers, from the Rockets to the Blazers for uh, two for two first round picks and uh, Trevor Ariza, and 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 I think again the uh, the, the Blazers, I think the uh, I think the, the Blazers gave up too much to get to, to go get uh, Robert Covington. I mean Robert Covington is a good player, but he's not a great player, and I just don't think he another team which I think is going to be one and done. Yeah, two first rounders for Robert Coventry. That that's that is a. Lot. You know, that, that was too much. You know, he's a good player, but I wouldn't trade two first rounders for him. But you can kind of, you know, I, with draft picks now, it just seems like teams are just throwing them around like, you know, like they're nothing now. You know, that used to be such a big asset for building teams, you know, but for some of these guys, they just, you know, just throw them around nowadays. And, you know, don't really keep them. But, yeah, I just it, – it's a move that just – it, it was another weird one. I guess it, you know, I think they understood that Robert Coventry can't play the five, especially in the playoffs. You know, that 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 experiment went horribly wrong for Houston. Um, but you can kind of see there, Houston starting to here move towards the future right now. Um, but yeah, another kind of um, just too much that giving up there. Absolutely, absolutely. It's funny. Teams are just giving up, giving up draft picks. I know, uh, I know, they're not like NFL draft picks because NBA draft picks, you know, guys take time to develop. But teams are just throwing draft picks out there like crazy. I mean, the Blazers, the the, the, the Suns, the, uh, the the Bucks. So they're just they're just trading draft picks like crazy. But speaking of the draft, we got to get to the draft, and the draft is tonight uh, at seven thirty on ESPN. And the Timberwolves have the number one pick. And really, for me, I think there's a lot of talk. Would they take James Wiseman? Would they take Anthony Edwards? Or would they take Lamella Ball? And I think this is an easy one for uh, for for the, for the uh, T Wolves. I, I I got them taking Lamella Ball. He's a six eight point guard, and I who could drive to the hoop. Yes, his shooting and defense need improvement, but once that gets developed, I think this guy could be an elite player in this league. I think you know the pick him with uh, with with Carl Anthony Towns on the pick and roll. I think that could be that could be a lethal combination, and that's why I got the T Wolves taking Ball with the number one overall pick. Yeah, I got Lamelo Ball going number one as well. It would be interesting with him and uh, D'Angelo Russell um, as the two guards on that team. Um, yeah, but he's great in transition, um, really strong ball handling. But yeah, the inconsistency shooting and the slot, the shot selection as well with the defense. He can kind of improve that and fix all of that. He definitely could be a really good player in, in this league and very fun to watch. It says Frank just commented. Hopefully his father does screw screw him up. <laughs> That's kind of funny there. Yeah, his father is, is crazy. We haven't heard from his father in a while, but we all know when we were hearing from his father, he was crazy. Oh, yeah. We probably will tonight. We'll hear something. 
Oh, absolutely. I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. With the number two overall pick, though, that it's interesting to see the team who has the number two, two overall pick. That's the Warriors, and you know, even though Wiseman may not be a franchise level player, he might not be a, he might not be the best player on a championship team. I still think the Warriors have to take Wiseman because I think the Warriors are still in contention to win a championship. They got Curry locked up for two more years. They got Clay Thompson locked up for two more years. So that's why I don't think they take Anthony Edwards and the Warriors desperately need a center. So I think instead of taking the best player available, I think the Warriors are going to go need here and they're going to take James Wiseman with the number two overall pick. Yep. I'm with you, James Wiseman. Um, I can, you know, I like a ton of more of an old school center. Great in the post. Um, very good shot blocking ability. Um, you know, the potential's there too for him. We didn't see a ton of them at Memphis, obviously. Um, but you know, I guess the one weakness is that he's you know, he's not great, um, shooting wise outside of the post. Um, but big physical guy, I like you know, I, I really like this pick for the Warriors. Um, I don't think they should trade, I think this is a guy you could should definitely draft because he, he'll make your team better for a team that needs a center. With the number three overall pick, I got the Hornets taking Anthony Edwards just because he was a he's projected to be the number two player in the draft. I know the I know the Hornets have uh, Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, but they're not winning a ton of games with those two guys. And I think Edwards has more of an upside uh, than those two guys do. I mean, Anthony, the only thing that scares me, Anthony Edwards, you could probably answer this better than I can. You could probably talk about this better than I can, Justin. Is he only won half his college games and, that, and, and his consistency last year was a little bit inconsistent. I know there's a lot of potential there, but when you win half your college games, the best player in your college team, you got to be a little bit scared that this could be, this could be the player for the future, even though he has a lot of upside. He definitely does. And you, you know, you can, Ben Simmons was kind of that same spot a few years ago with, at LSU. That was a team that was going to get the NIT. Um, don't, I, you know, I don't even know if Georgia was going to make the NIT. Um, last year, but he's a guy, he's very explosive. The thing is, is I don't know if he could, you know, when you're taking a guy in the top three, you're even like top five, you want him to be your number one score. You know, I know that's not going to happen for James Wiseman because he doesn't have to in that team, but you know, for Edwards, he would, you know, you're kind of drafting a guy here that you want to be your franchise and your number one score. I don't know if he consistently be that number one guy. You're, you know, I don't know if he's a guy that when you need a basket, He's going to be the guy to get you that. That's what I'm really worried about for him. And he and he talked about this morning. He's not even like, you know, basketball is kind of like he doesn't even know if he's in the basketball yet. That That's also a big. That's scary. That's scary when you're taking a guy number three overall. That's scary. Yeah, it is. So that's also kind of worrying me. I saw it more so I didn't, you know, change anything. But um, it's definitely a concern right there. But, I, you know, I think the talent's there. Um I think he, you know, he's got it, but you know, we'll see though. I don't know if he can be that number one scoring option that you want out of a guy like him. You when you're picking third. With the number four overall pick, I got the Chicago Bulls taking Denny Adiva out of Israel, and 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 this and this pick, uh, this guy has a lot of potential. I think this guy, you know, he can play. All four positions on the floor. He could. He could. He's a six-nine guy who could. Who could. Uh, who could handle the ball. I think this guy actually has a lot of potential. And if this thing pans out, I think he's got potential to be the best player in this draft. Yeah, I, I get Denny um, as well from Israel. Definitely, you know, he's a really good ball ball handler. Um, he's got you know the potential as well, and he's even solid defensively. You know, the thing 
the week, the few weaknesses he has is not a great three point shooter. He's not a great free throw shooter. If he can develop that, yeah, I think he can turn into a um, a solid, a very solid player in this league, and a very good player in this league. You know, I don't think you know, I don't think it. Um, like his comparison to Dalinari, um with uh, Daniel Gallinari, which he didn't turn into a bad player at all. You know, he's a pretty solid player, so. Um, I definitely see the upside and uh, think the Bulls go for Denny. With the number five overall pick in the draft, I got the uh, I got the Cavs taking Obi Toppin, the only All-American I have going in the top ten. He had a great year at Dayton last year. This guy's versatile. He could shoot the three. He's really good inside. And I think it's what the Cavs need because they got two pretty good guards in uh, Garland and uh, and Sexton. They Andre Drummond just opted in, so I think what they need is a power forward because Kevin loves getting old. So I, I I like I got them taking Obi Toppin with the number five overall pick, and you saw a lot of him last year, Justin. Yeah, I love Obi. Um, probably my favorite guy coming out of the draft. I, I'm hoping there's a miracle either trade team straight up for him or he falls to number twelve somehow. I know it's probably not happening, but. I can dream, I guess. But oh, you would yeah. love if you go into the Kinks. Oh, I, oh yeah, I'd be buying his jersey tonight. I'm just trying to find a jersey. Um, but yeah, you know he's very athletic and get the basket. Shot 63% from the field last year. Um, his weakness is is um, he's not great on ball defender. Guys got by him last year, kind of um, took him to the to the rim. That's my concern about him right now. But if he can figure out defensively. Um, I think he could turn into a really, really solid player in this league. He can also hit some um, three. He doesn't take a ton of them, but he shot 40%. But when he takes them, he can hit them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. With the number six overall pick, I got the Hawks taking Isaac Okoro. And here's why. The Hawks need some defense. This guy is probably one of the best defensive players in the draft. The Hawks need defense uh, because they got enough scoring from uh, from from Jason from, from Collins and uh, – and uh, obviously Trey Young. So you have enough scoring there. I think the Hawks need some defense. This guy potentially could be a really, really good player, even though he only, only averaged 12 and a half points last year at Auburn. I got that, but I do think the Hawks need defense. That's why I got Isaac Okoro at number six going to the Hawks. All right. Well, we finally agree. Uh, I mean, we finally disagree on one. I got the Hawks taking Tyrese um, Hilbert for the guard from Iowa State. Um, he got, you know, hurt his wrist at the end of last year. Um, but I think this guy's got – he's really solid. He's a really effective scorer. Um, he play, he's, he's great on both ends of the floor. He's got very high IQ, um, very good passer. Um, I think the thing for him is he's got to develop physically. He's got a really small frame, pretty skinny. Coming off the wrist injury, too, is a little bit concerning. Um, but I think he could turn a really solid guy and kind of pair um, – another type of um, score that can play off ball with Trey Younger. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. To have him and him and Young in the backcourt would be really, really good. With the number seven overall pick, I got the Pistons taking uh, Oki Okong, uh, the center out of USC. And I think the thing is, is they still have – I know that very easily can go point guard here. They can go kill and Hayes here or uh, take, take uh, Hal Burton here if he's still on the board. But – I do think with them potentially losing Christian Wood, they lost Andre to trade Andre Drummond last year to the Cavs. I think they need a, they need they need a guy with upside. I think they need they need a big man with upside. And I think that uh, uh, this guy will do it. I think he he could he could you know be really good for them. And that's why I got them taking taking uh, him number seven overall. Yeah, I, 
was close to taking him. I was going back and forth, but I, um, I went with Kellen Hayes, the point guard from France. Um, you know, I think they need a guard as well. You know, they, they need help in a lot of, in, you know, different areas, but, um, I feel like, you know, if Hayes is still there, it's a guy they go after. He's a really good playmaker, very good, uh, finisher around the rim. Um, he's got very good court vision. You know, the thing is, um, He's a left-handed dominant guy. He's not great with his right hand. That's something guys in the NBA are going to be able to figure out very quickly. So he's got to develop that right hand, um, and he's got to develop a three-point shot. But I think if he can do that, he can be um, a really good um, player for the Pistons. With the number eight pick, my Knicks have that pick, and I got them taking Tyrese Halberton from uh, Iowa State. And I think the big reason for this is they need a point, desperately need a point guard. Alfred Payton is not getting it done. Franklin Nidalekin has been a complete bust. So I, I got the Knicks taking a point guard, which they desperately need, number eight overall. I'm going with the Knicks. I got them taking Isaac Okora from Auburn. I think he, he's a guy that feels like he would fit what Tom Thibodeau wants to do. You know, a defensive-minded head coach, likes, you know, tough um, defense. So I, I think they, they go with the small four from Auburn. Auburn. Um, he can guard pretty much – I think, he, you know, he can guard all four positions or he can guard four positions. Um, he's very good at contact on drives. Um, you know, it, but – that's really about it. You know, his weaknesses are he can score. He well, his strength, you know, strength is scoring around the rim, but offensively, that's about it. That's really the one big weakness is he's not great at um scoring everywhere else. And he's I you know, average rebounder too, um, for his size. But I think if he can kind of get into his own there and be able to grab some rebounds, I think he could be a really solid player for the Knicks. At number nine, I got the Wizards, and I got them taking Patrick Williams out of Florida State. Yes, he didn't score a ton of points last year in college. He wasn't overly impressive, only averaging 9.2 points a game. But he's got a ton of upside, and that's something a team like the Wizards need. They need a guy with upside because you don't know what the future is going to be with Bradley Beal or John Wall. So they need a guy with upside. That's why I got the Wizards taking him number nine overall. Um, at number nine for the Wizards, I got Okinia. I could never say his name last year at USC. Okinia. Kunja, um, the big center. Um, now, I heard this morning, too, I guess he's got a foot injury. So, I guess teams are frantically trying to get his medical report today. So, that could, you know, push back his draft stock. But um, he's a very good defender. Um, he's versatile on that end. Um, he can switch as well. He's very switchable. Um, he's very good um, when he's got a switch. And I think, you know, because he kind of reminds me of a Bam Adebayo type because of the way he does defend and his length. And I, you know, and especially he kind of comes out later towards the end of the lottery. Um, I definitely kind of see him be like a fam out of bottle type. He's not a great shooter, but he's really, really good around the rim. Um, and I got the Wizards taking the big guy out of USC. At number 10, the Suns, and I got them taking uh, Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. I think they need a player who's going to help them now because they made the Chris Paul trade to help them now. Suns are in, because they lost Kelly Oubre, they're in desperate need for a small forward or a power forward. They need a guy like Sadiq Bey. I think he's a player that helps them now. That's why I think they take him number 10 overall. Yeah, definitely. This is a guy last year to break out year at Villanova. Didn't do a ton of uh, freshman year. I think he only averaged about five, six points, but he, he, jumped, he upped that to 16 points a game. That, last year um he can score both of the positions or um 
around the floor. And he shot 45% from the three last year. Um, he can defend multiple positions, but he's very weak with the ball. And that's kind of the one big concern. And he, he's not great with the mid-range game. If he can kind of um, – he can upgrade – if he can upgrade his um, mid-range game, I think he'll, he'll be good pick for him. Before we get to a free agency, Joe wants to jump on. He's got a big giant story to, to update. So, Joe, we're ready. All right. Yeah, so this story was full of uh, misinformation earlier. Um, what happened with Colombo was, uh, you sort of guys alluded to it earlier, when they brought in uh, Coach D, as we're calling him, um, Colombo obviously took exception to it. There, there was an altercation. It did not involve anything physical. It was, um, it was full of a lot of name calling. It did get pretty heated. Uh, Colombo thought he had been playing really well. Three straight games, they rushed for over 150 yards. Obviously, much improved offensive line. He felt he was being undermined. He let uh, Joe Judge know uh, he didn't appreciate that. And then some things were said and he was immediately dismissed uh, by Coach Judge. But there was no physical altercation. Uh, this was was merely um, a, a lot of talking and, and obviously uh, a lot of pride. Egos obviously being hurt. Colombo obviously didn't want somebody looking over his shoulder. So that's the latest, guys. Absolutely. We all know with Mark Colombo being being in the league in Dallas for, for a while, he does not like that. And obviously, and Joe was right with the offensive line playing better. He didn't want to bring Coach Dion to probably be a consultant. He wanted to he wanted to, to be the O line, just be the O line coach without a consultant, but eventually. And thanks, Joe, for get, get, getting that for us. That's what eventually happened. And that's why the Giants are going with Coach D and Colombo is out as offensive line coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, thanks for uh, clearing that up. But um, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's, yeah, you know, as I know we talked about the running game's been good. The line's been playing well the last few games. So yeah, you know, he definitely didn't want that consult. It's a, it's a tough thing, you know, when you think, you know, your line's getting better, but uh, it's tough. But, you know, I, I think, you know, Giants probably made the smart move. Yeah, Coach Z. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll head back to the NBA and we're going to go to free agency now and free agency is very, very quiet this year. This is not a, this is not a big free agent. It's not a big free agent class at all. E even though that, uh, and, and obviously Frank says, thanks for the update, Joe. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, this isn't a great free agency class at all uh, with, uh, with, you know, Anthony Davis is technically a free agent, but that's a player option. He did opt out, but he's definitely going to sign with the Lakers. You have obviously Brendan Ingram, a restricted free agent, but, a team can't get can't sign him an offer sheet, but the but the Pelicans would would probably match that because Brandon Ingram was their leading scorer and their best player last year. Uh, some of the some of the ones that are interesting, Fred Van Fleet, obviously that's an interesting one. See what the Raptors do with him. Uh, that 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 would be that would be a good move for the Knicks if they don't draft the point guard. Then the Pistons or the Hawks. Gordon Hayward is another free agent out there. Uh, he's it's a player option, so if he he's still deciding, he'll decide Thursday if he wants to opt in or opt out. Uh, Delino Gonolari, he's been kind of a, a guy who's been all over the place in the NBA uh, with the uh, with 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 the Nets, you know, with the with the, the Thunder, the Knicks, the Nuggets, uh, the Clippers. He's been all over the place, and really the team that has pretty much the most interest in, in him with in him. He's going to be away from the Thunder. OKC's tearing that team apart. They just traded Chris Paul. The teams that have the most interest in him are the Nets, the Blazers, the Hawks, and the Suns. And then lastly, two two other free agents. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, he opted back into the Spurs. And uh, Andre Drummond, he opted back into the Cavs. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, you know, Anthony Davis is really the only big one, but yeah, he's probably gonna resign with the um, with the uh, Lakers. I think next next year there's probably gonna be a lot more um, action and free agency. Um, but you know, I um, definitely with Fran, Fred Van Vliet, I think that would be a, such a nice move for the next. If they don't go for a point guard tonight, um, I, I think that's definitely a guy kind of another. I think kind of fits like Tom Thibodeau um kind of scheme there um i think that could be really nice for the next um derozan going back to the spurs for 20 million um that's a nice one for san antonio to get him back i'd be shocked if brandon ingram doesn't go back to the pelicans you know with him and um zion kind of um they're kind of building something i'd be shocked that they don't re-sign him um this offseason but yeah, there's not a, you know not a ton of big names this year. Uh, I think next year there's a couple, you know. But yeah, we we know Giannis is definitely a free agent yeah. next year. Yeah, uh, definitely. But yeah, it's gonna be more quiet, especially a, such a weird off season here. Because I know training camps are supposed to open in like two weeks, so it's probably gonna be very quick, and guys will be signing very fast. Yeah, obviously the most interesting thing in this offseason is what's going to happen with the Rockets and what's going to happen with Russell Westbrook and what's going to happen with James Harden. That's by far the most interesting thing that will happen this offseason in the NBA. We lose you, Justin? All righty, so uh, we're going to shift over to college football, and uh, we got some we got some big uh, – and, and uh, Frank just commented, free agency blows this year. Nothing fun about it. I agree there. I definitely agree there about free agency in the NBA. But we're gonna go, we're gonna head to college football, and we got a, a big, big, big top ten matchup there with uh, Indiana and Ohio State, and uh, th- this this should this should be a very good game. You obviously you have uh, you got Mike, you got Michael Penix Jr. of Indiana, you got Justin Fields of Ohio State, and uh, this th- this should this should be a game where I still think Ohio State wins it by two scores because. I know Indiana's had a great year, but if you look at some of Indiana's wins, I mean, they, they, they did beat Penn State in the opener, but Penn State's 0-4 right now. Uh, they, they, they beat, in their second game, they beat, they beat Rutgers. Rutgers, obviously, we know they're Rutgers. Uh, Michigan, they've been, they've been struggling, too, in Michigan State. So Indiana's schedule's been pretty easy so far. Ohio State, you look at them, they, they obviously haven't beaten a lot of great teams either. I mean, Nebraska and uh and 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 uh, Penn State those teams are not that are not that are not that good either so i think this is a going to be going to be a game where it's really close for a half but i think ohio state pulls away in the second half i think they got obviously they got the more talented team and the better quarterback and i got ohio state winning by two scores is J- justin you back so it looks so it, it, it unfortunately looks like we've lost justin uh there Unfortunately, but if, if and looking at Ohio State, if they win this game, look at their schedule the rest of the way. They got Michigan, they got Michigan State and Illinois. If Ohio State wins this game, they're they're eas- easily going to get to the Big Ten championship game unless there's a couple games that uh, that end up getting uh, res- uh, rescheduled due to COVID. So if, if Ohio State wins this game, they should easily be in the Big Ten championship game. But we'll stay in the Big Ten, and uh, we got number ten Wisconsin uh, heading to uh, Northwestern to, to, to face the Wildcats. And Northwestern's been a surprise team this year. I mean, they had that big win last week over Purdue. They crushed Maryland in, in the opening game. They beat they beat they beat Iowa as well, and they beat Nebraska. So they're four and zero. Wisconsin's obviously two and zero, but they've been really impressive. Their quarterback is Mertz. He's been really good. They obviously beat Michigan. They beat Michigan, and then they beat uh, they in the opener that. They beat uh, Illinois, so they've been really impressive to start the season. And I think in this game, 
unfortunately, just like Ohio State, Indiana, I still I think this is going to be Wisconsin winning this game big. I think this week is the week where Wisconsin and Ohio State prove that they're the two best, clearly the two best teams in the Big Ten. I think Wisconsin runs the ball on the ground. I think they 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 control the game. I think their defense is really good as well. Justin, you back? Unfortunately, we don't have, we don't have Justin. Back. No, no, he's not back. So let me jump in here yeah, for gotcha, Northwestern because gotcha. I think you're out of your mind. Uh, gotcha. Justin, okay, all right. Tell me if I'm wrong here. I think Northwestern um, is going to win this football game. I think they're going to – I do. I definitely do. I've, I've, I've thought that all week, Steve. Steve, I got to tell you, I think the, the, the number one thing I'm noticing this year in college football is that it's 2020. Yeah. It, it's not 2019, and a lot of things have changed in college football since 2019. And a lot of the teams that were supposed to be good aren't as good as we thought they were. And a lot of teams we didn't think were going to be good are playing really good football. And I think Northwestern is one of those teams that are right now just kind of playing out of their minds. I, I think that they can beat Wisconsin here at home. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard though. It's I mean, tough. You hate to go there, Steve. I get it. I get it. I I've, do. Been calling, I've been calling upsets all year in college football. Yeah, and, and, and I, I had to jump in on this one. And you did call Michigan State over over a Michigan. I did. You did call that. You did call that one. So yeah, I think it could be. I just, in my opinion, I just think you know that Wisconsin just controls this game because unfortunately Northwestern. Yeah, they did beat Maryland. I'll give you that. They beat they beat Maryland the first week with Tua's brother. But I mean, is Iowa's not great. Nebraska's not great. And Purdue they won without Rondell Moore. So I just I feel like it's going to be a double digit win for North for Wisconsin. But I do think I do think the game's going to be close for a half. But I just think Wisconsin wins it, but you got a point this year in college football. There's been so many upsets. It's been so crazy. Who would have thought, you know, Penn state would be zero and four and Michigan would be one and three and Northwestern would be four and up. Right. LSU, another good example LSU. Uh, of a team we just assumed was going to be good this year. And, and I was doing, LSU, I always knew was going to be, was going to drop back a little bit with all the guys they lost, but I didn't think they'd be two and three. Right. Yeah. You, you could definitely see drop off, but, but not to the level of, of, I mean, they stink. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, their quarterback's not good. Their defense is nowhere near what it was last year. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're not good at all, but yeah, but yeah, you you can stay on you can stay on. Well, I'll even stay on until Justin gets back and we got, but we got the game in Bedlam and we got Oklahoma state traveling to Oklahoma this week. Got uh, Spencer Rattler against Chua Hubbard. I think this is going to be a fun game. I think Oklahoma's starting to find their stride a little bit. They're starting to play better than they did at the beginning of the year and Oklahoma state. They've been, uh, they've been, they, they've been pretty good too. Chua Hubbard's one of the best running backs in the country. And I think this is a close high scoring game, but I got, I got Oklahoma winning this game close over Oklahoma state. What do you got, Joe? Um, I have the same thing. I'm excited about this game. I think these are, are just two really good teams who, who definitely um, get off the gate a little rough. And and I think now we're both hitting their peak. I still got uh, Oklahoma state, you know, maybe if, if they, if they win this game, they're in uh, they're in really good position, I think, the rest of the way. So, unfortunately, when it comes to the Big 12, you always have these kinds of the, – the games you expect people to win late in the year that matter, they generally don't. And that would be my only concern here for OSU. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, Oklahoma lost two games. They very, A lot of people thought they'd win. I mean, the, the game at the beginning of the year against Kansas State, the loss to Iowa State. This has been a weird year in the Big 12. You're going to – you're getting a ton of upsets. You got uh, Texas, te- uh, Texas losing to TCU, and then obviously uh, the other uh, a couple of weeks ago, you had Texas uh, beating Oklahoma State. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's been, you know, here's the thing for me with the Big 12. I feel like it's almost on repeat. You know, I can almost guess when Texas is going to lose the game they need to win. I can almost guess when Oklahoma is going to blow that game. Like, they got to win this week. Every time I hear they got to win this week to set up this matchup, you know, in the Big 12 championship or whatever, teams lose. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it seems automatic almost over the last if I had to say maybe decade or so, that's how the that's how the Big Twelve plays out to me year after year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a lot of times why outside of Oklahoma they don't get a team in the college football playoff. They, they, they and Oklahoma always loses that one game a year too. Last year they had that loss to to, to, to Kansas State. It, it it seems always yeah always happens to the Big Twelve. It's it, it which is a shame because you know being a power conference man, you know you, if, if somebody could ever take that conference. And I mean, say dominated the way Alabama has been doing in the SEC on and off for the last decade. Well, think about where you would be if, if you were, say, Oklahoma State or Texas, and you you could. I mean, the the big problem is just always going to be defense. There's no defense out there. You, you get these shootouts, and and Steve, you know, when you get into a shootout, anything can happen. Exactly. I mean, a, a good a bad team could be could beat a good team if that ends up happening. And you even look at. You know, guys in the NFL, you looked at the Eagles this year in terms of, you know, which receiver would they take? They end up taking Jalen Rieger over Justin Jefferson. Ends up being a bad move because Rieger put up numbers, but he's put up numbers in the Big 12 when you got Jefferson put up numbers in the SEC. Yeah, uh, you know, if, if your boy Justin, uh, I don't know if you could see, you can't see him. I can yeah, uh, yeah, as yeah. the producer. He gotcha. is having an absolute meltdown right now on his end. Really Try wow. laughing. Yeah, he can hear me though. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah, we're, there's something something happened with his mic. His mic is completely out, and um, I can see you, Justin. Just so you know, he had like a cartoon character freak out a second ago. Wow! Wow! Now, Justin, don't be embarrassed and feel bad. Uh, my wife made me redo some stuff in my uh, our, our master bathroom, and um, I freaked out no less than four times, sort of like you just did. So don't sweat it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It happens. It happens. But we'll head to the last game, and that's uh, we got USC going to Utah. Jace's team playing the uh, Utah Utes. Uh, I think this is another really, really close competitive game. This is Utah's first game because two of their games got postponed due to COVID. And USC and their first two games, they've been close. I mean, obviously close game at uh, Arizona State, close game at Arizona. And I think, I think, I think the theme continues. I think that uh, USC wins another close one over Utah. But I could see Utah pulling the upset too. That's like Frank's comment. Poor Justin. There. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, we've been, we were, will, and, and uh, Justin, uh, assuming he gets that mic fixed, will be on all four downs tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, some some college football. This will be one of the games that comes up. It, it seemed for the most part. Uh, nobody was necessarily sold on USC being so good uh, or being good enough to be ranked, uh, you know, before they'd even played. Uh, and and as you mentioned, Steve, two wins that ooh, certainly could have gone the other way. And, and with that, they're rewarded now in number 20 ranking. Haven't gotten a chance to see Utah yet. Big Jace definitely thinks that uh, the Utes got a chance in this one. Oh, he's I, picking them to win. <laughs> of course, he's picking them to win. Um, I think Utah. I think Utah will keep it close. I'm not sure that Utah is the one that's going to hang uh, the first L on USC, but I, I, I think USC. I think if we if we're talking about them, Justin, again in the next two or three weeks, it'll be because they're out of the top 25 completely. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, two close wins, I, I, and I could see them losing this one. But just the issue with Utah is they lost a lot of players uh, last year on the on the defensive end. I mean, uh, Blackman at the safety, uh, Jalen Johnson. They lost a lot of players on the defensive end last year. That's why I think that USC wins this close. Yeah, uh, that, that sounds about right. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Be, be a good game though. It's not. I'm just glad that the. Uh, I'm just glad they're playing again. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because because it looked like the Pac-12 wasn't going to play at all this year at yep. the beginning. It, it looked it looked like even when the Big Ten got canceled, it looked like they had a chance to come back. But it looked like the Pac-12 wouldn't Pac-12 wouldn't play at all this year. And then obviously they end up coming back too. So it's it's great it's great to see them playing because they had some they had some good games last week. Oregon, Washington State, uh, USC, USC, Arizona. I don't know if I told you this, Steve. I watched yeah. all 14 NFL games last last weekend. How, how, how are you? How, how are you able to do that? Do you have a package or? Um. Yes, I have a package, and so I can watch all of the games. Yes. Uh. And I literally, it was weird. My wife just left me alone Sunday. I watched the games that were on TV, uh, and then I just started jamming in other games, and I just stayed up all the Sunday into Monday, just one game after the next. Um. Um, and it was amazing. Uh, but also last weekend, I watched at least parts of eight different college football games. And I'm, you know what it is? I'm just so glad it's there. Exactly. During I'm these just, times too. Yeah. It's so great that, and, and, and I'll tell you what, when you look at some of the teams in college, like Coastal Carolina and Liberty, who are, I think, playing at a, a level that would, I said last week, I think Coastal Carolina could beat Georgia. Georgia's got a great defense, and you could say what you want about, uh, you know, some of these smaller teams. Coastal Carolina is insane. Grayson McCall is a true freshman. One of the top – six touchdowns two weeks ago. Big-time baller. So – Yeah, you were were telling me about him. Justin's losing his mind. I think he wants in on the Grayson McCall conversation. Am I right, Justin? Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. You know, I think there's, you know, when, when you look at college basketball, Steve, you're seeing more parity in, in the last five, six, seven, eight years than you'd ever seen before. It was always a given that the one would beat the 16, the two, the 15. And now, boy, every year we get the big upsets. You're seeing a lot more parity. In, and I think in college football, I think when you get beyond the Alabamas, the Clemsons, Ohio State, I think once you get down to – the the five down, I, I think it, it it's kind of anybody's game at this point. If you've got a good defense, you've got the right kind of offense that matches up again. You you can definitely win a game against anybody at this point. And and I still think that these teams get disrespected. And I understand it's about the money and you know the 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 name or whatever. But if you don't give these teams a chance to establish themselves, how are they ever going to do it? Yeah, I mean, like you look at BYU this year undefeated, Cincinnati this year undefeated, and the team you talk about, Coastal Carolina, they're not going to get, they're more than likely not going to get, even if they go undefeated, they're more than likely not going to get a chance to, you know, be in the college football playoff. But, I mean, they could probably, you know, give give some of those, I mean, they're probably better, they could be better than, you know, the, the fourth best team that gets in. If it, say, say it's like, you know, maybe even, maybe even like, a, a, you know, Notre Dame's good this year, maybe even like a Notre Dame or even like a Texas A&M, one of those, or a Florida, to one of those teams that gets in, they could probably give one of those teams a game, but they're not going to get a chance. Well, it's a shame. And I, 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 Justin just messaged to us, uh, Coastal Carolina is, is too much fun to watch. They certainly are. Um, Justin turned me on the Cincinnati earlier in the year. I, I think Cincinnati goes undefeated and everybody else has a loss. 
Bama probably gets, I think, gets through the season unscathed. Maybe Ohio State does. I don't know that I see more. I don't see. I don't see Notre Dame necessarily um, clearing the hurdle. Well, they're not going to be able to clear the hurdle because they're going to have to lose to Clemson. And I, I, I'm telling you, I, I think you're going to find yourself in an interesting situation where you're going to have to tell an undefeated and really good Cincinnati team they can't be in the playoffs. Yeah, that's very. It's 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 not going to go over well with fans, and and it's not going to go over well with people like us, Steve. Absolutely, and that 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 same situation happened to uh, UCF uh, three years ago when they were undefeated. They claimed claimed they claimed that they were national champions, but you know they didn't end up getting the playoffs because of the conference they were in. And this is my beef with where these teams like USC and Ohio State in the last few weeks have all showed up to play when you've got teams that are five and zero, six and zero. That, that just get bumped down in the ratings because, well, Ohio State's got to get theirs and USC and Penn State. And how many of these teams that were put into the top 25 without having played a game when you had teams undefeated and then showed up and lost within a week or two and were right back out of the top 25? How disrespectful to the teams that were already there. One of the things on all four down, Steve, that I refused to do from the beginning of the season until his third game, I wouldn't put Justin Fields in my Heisman contender list. Yeah, because it's not right to put a guy that's there's, played two games. Sure, there's guys, there's guys that have put up big league numbers in half their game so far. I'm sorry, but two games out of Justin Fields, and they've been great. And I love Justin Fields, and he might end up being the guy when all said and done, but there's no way that I could put Justin Fields over a Mac Jones or a Grayson McCall or, or, or Desmond Ritter. There's guys that are playing out of their minds. Field shows up and what he's got to be my number one contender. I don't know. I want to see him play a few more games. Make sure he doesn't have any stinkers. You have one of those just like that. You're out. Yeah. You got, you got to earn it. That's the thing. You got, you got to earn it. You can't just gotta you know, earn go it. Off, you're go exactly off, right. You can't go off reputation saying you're going to be, you obviously you'll be the number two overall pick, but you gotta, you gotta go out there. If the, the, the Heisman trophy has nothing to do with your NFL projection, you got to go out and earn it that season. Well, and it's funny you say that because a lot of people have been struggling with the idea that Mac Jones you know, I've heard that constantly. Well, you know, Mac Jones is isn't a, he's a game manager. He's not an NFL quality quarterback. Well, newsflash, people. Mel Kuyper's got him 24th on the big board, probably the fourth quarterback to go in the draft. So uh, you're wrong about Mac Jones. He's not a game manager. He's a baller, and he might be going first round of the NFL draft. So, you know, people can step up. Again, we sort of talked about that idea, Steve, of don't don't tell me what I did last year. You want, to, you want to use that to give me a top 25 preseason ranking? Great. Once the game start, throw that garbage out the window. What I did in 2019 with six guys in the NFL now has nothing to do with what's going to happen in the coming weeks. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, this season. Uh, we got a good slate of games, especially in the Big Ten. So I'm excited for what's going to happen this week in, in college football. But – we got to wrap up the show. We're going to wrap it up talking a little bit of baseball. Uh, Theo Epstein uh, steps down as Cubs president of, of the Cubs. A little bit surprising to me because uh, I, 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 I mean, I, I, the Cubs didn't did get to the playoffs this year. A little bit surprised that he stepped down. Yeah, I'm shocked by this, but I mean, look, he's been there a long time. He's got he's got the championships now. I, I think. Uh, you know, it, it it doesn't shock me. I think with all the uncertainty going in the next season and, you know, Theo seems like the kind of guy that doesn't want to get pinned down by any one thing. He didn't seem like he wanted to be tied to Boston. 
you know, as Brian Cashman is. And and I think with the Cubs, I don't think this is any different. I mean, he's loved out there and, and he's done an amazing job with his Cubbies to uh, end the curse and, and make them a relevant team literally each of the last four seasons. So, uh, you know, I think if you're the Cubs, you're grateful for Theo. And for Theo, you know, whatever he does next, I'm sure it's going to be amazing because pretty much everything he does is yeah it's brilliant i mean who would have thought one guy would help break two curses with the red sox in 04 and with the uh cubs in 2016 amazing hall of famer yes oh that's clearly uh, clearly hall of famer no question think, about it i think just on the fact that he broke both curses steve i think probably gets him, maybe gets him his own wing but yeah uh a, a, a great job and again still a young dude i mean he's probably what not even 50 no, no, you got to be in his 40s. Yeah, I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach because I'm 45, but, uh, you know, good for Theo. And again, I mean, who knows what he'll do next? Maybe he can go run, uh, maybe he can take over the New York football giants. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. He wants That'd... He wants a project. There's one for you. It sure is. It sure is. It sure is. But we're going to talk about another, another uh, GM hire and, and baseball being very progressive here. A sport that's not progressive, very progressive here. And that's the Marlins hiring up King, uh, Kim Ng as the first female general manager in baseball. And good for the Marlins to do that. I'm, I'm really excited to see what she's going to do with that team. And a team that, you know, has a lot of people this year getting to the playoffs. This is such an amazing hiring. And, you know, Kim goes back a long ways with the New York Yankees. They were actually the first team to give her a job out of college. She was a uh, college softball player and a very good one. Uh, was very interested in baseball. Never, ever thought that this was a possibility, but she uh, interned at the Major League Baseball office, Steve. Things went really well. People really liked her, you know, j- just her presence and her knowledge. They were so impressed. Brian Cashman hired her on as a special assistant. And in no time flat, this woman blew everybody out of the water. Oh, to the wow. point where eventually she was she was put in charge of baseball operations, and and I believe was the first woman ever given that responsibility. She was given um uh, uh, uh the Yankees um uh, uh Asian Pacific um uh, uh scouting. She was in charge of all of that, and then literally became the assistant general manager to Brian Cashman. Her name got floated around for a bunch of different jobs. She eventually left. Took a took a a slightly better assistant GM job with the Dodgers where she had a little more power. I think she felt like, you know, having been Brian Cashman's underling for a long time, I think she felt her voice would be more respected, not respected, but maybe heard a little more elsewhere. Um, And now this is all culminated in uh, a historical first for baseball and for any guy out there um, who doesn't understand the significance of this or doesn't think a woman – meet this woman read about her because i promise you she'll blow you away this woman knows more about baseball than i do uh, and then and, and if that's the case she knows a lot i mean she knows a ton steve, uh, that's the case. steve there's not a lot of men i would say that about period and and i and and uh, this woman this woman is somebody who I have great respect for her knowledge and her abilities. I think this is a great hiring for the Marlins. I, and, I'm, and I'm glad, too, that it's Derek Jeter um, and, and, and obviously the former Yankee to sort of carry on the legacy, um, you know, again, be, because she spent so much time with the Yankees uh, and with the Dodgers, for that matter. I mean, again, I, I think Yankees, Dodgers, you know, I think you look at the history of baseball and how tied those franchises were in New York for a long time. I think this is great. And, and uh I think the Marlins are going to be a really good team. 
And they're going to prove, as, as Tampa has, that you don't need a budget. You just need to find the right guys. And she'll oh. do that. Oh, absolutely. They found the manager. I mean, they got really good pitching this year. And, yeah, I'm just excited. I'm just excited what she's going to do. Uh, being there. I mean, I didn't know she worked for the Dodgers and the Yankees. Those are the two of the top organizations in baseball. So she's learned from the best. Oh yeah. Yeah. And again, like I said, Steve, everywhere she's gone, she's blown people away with not just her knowledge of the game and her understanding of the game, but the business aspect of the game, the marketing aspect of the game. She, she sees baseball in, in a different way than a lot of people while having a really firm understanding of the game itself, having been a ball player herself. So this is a special woman, and, and you know, again, in 2020, so nice to see a, another ceiling shattered. Absolutely, and it sure has with this hire. It absolutely has. But we're going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. Uh, for Joe McGuire and Justin Anafrio, I'm Steve Risk. We'll be back next week talking week 12 of the NFL season and week 13 of the college football season. Have a great weekend, everyone.